Well, once again, uh, welcome. Glad that you're here. I'm glad that we're uh, able to worship together. Uh, again, whether you're gathered here uh, in person or you're online, we're going through this uh, book together. And if you haven't gotten a, a physical copy, maybe you got a, a, a digital copy of it. Hopefully you are. and You're kind of able to follow along with us. There's various practices that we're seeking to do together as a church family to see to retrain ourselves and to kind of re-understand our life with God and to try and do this on a regular basis. This is a good thing for for us to do, especially as we lead up to Easter, as we're in this Lenten season, to kind of lead up to the celebration of the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And so we're seeking to do this. Hopefully it's been an encouragement to you. Uh, I said this earlier, but I'm, my name is Brian Robertson. And if you are uh, newer to our church family, if this is maybe one of your first Sundays here, I'll be up here in the front. Uh, yeah, I'd love for you to come and introduce yourself to me. If you're on the online campus, we'd love to have you uh, connect with us. Let us know that you're there, and we'd love to reach out to you. Let us know uh, how we might be able to pray with and for you. Um, hopefully, over the if you stick around for a little while, you would feel less like a guest and more like family. And hopefully, this would be a place that you would feel that you can uh, pursue a life with Christ uh, together with brothers and sisters. So grateful to have you uh, with us. Uh, we've been studying this, stu this book and we've been trying to understand our life with God. And one of the things we've been saying over these last few weeks is that if we just kind of live in the normal ways of life and just the trajectory that we have in our life, that our souls can be depleted of energy, that, that we can just be tired, that our, our lives physically and emotionally, but also spiritually, we can just kind of have this kind of drain of our energy. And yet, hardwired into the creation itself, hardwired into the way in which God has made this world and how he's made us is to be filled with his spirit, filled with his grace, filled with his power that would revitalize, bring life back to us, that we'd be able to continue to live in his goodness and in his grace and in all of its abundance and all of his joy that he's called us and he's led us to live. But we're going to have to learn to train ourselves in that way. And so this is what we're seeking to do. These last couple of weeks, we've looked at the gift of or the energy of grace. We've looked at the energies of, of God in his creation. And again, we've been trying to understand how to practice these things along the way. Our job is not to manufacture our own formation. Our job is not to manufacture our change in our, our hearts and our life or to kind of, kind of pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, as it were. But our job is to remain available to the eternal qualities and energy and grace of God that's available to us all the time. And our job is to remain available to that. Uh, and to practice these things to see the Spirit of God make some changes in our life to refresh and revitalize our souls along the way. Uh, we, we're, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about the energy or the grace, the power that we see in the natural world around us. And how this natural world around us can revitalize, can speak into us, can breathe new life into our weary and dry and kind of depleted energy of our soul. That we need the natural world around us and how that can speak into us and how it can be fresh for us in new ways. We've said that all these energies that we see of God or this presence of God we can see as it's hardwired into creation itself. So we're looking at the creation account. And what we learn about God, the qualities we see of God in the, the narrative that we see in Genesis. 
So in Genesis chapter 1, verses 9, in the natural world, quite honestly, is all throughout the created account, which kind of makes sense. God is making everything. It's all right there. But let me just read a few highlighted portions uh, from Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 9, God said, let the waters under the, sea, under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear, and it was so. And later he says, God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. So we see in the fabric of creation, you see the natural world, but not just in this Genesis account. All throughout the scriptures in the Older Testament and the Newer Testament, we're told that the invisible qualities of God can be seen in his natural world. That you can see the character of God. You can see the, the person of God in his creation. That he's, he's marked the creation with his fingerprints, as it were. That you can see who God is built into how he's made it. The, the psalm that Pastor Jason read as our call to worship, Psalm 19, says that the heavens declare the glory of God. And that night after night, that day after day, they're pouring forth speech. That they go out to all the ends of the world that everybody can see the eternal qualities of God because of the natural world before us. And in the Newer Testament book of Romans, the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1 that the eternal qualities of God can be known by all people because they've been plainly seen before, before them since the creation of the world. That you see the qualities, you see God himself, you see the nature of God and his character in the creation, in the natural world that's all around us all the time. Now, hopefully I don't have to tell you this, and hopefully you know me well enough, or hopefully you know the, the Scriptures well enough, but I'll say it anyway, that God is not the same thing as His creation. That the trees that we see, the waters we see, the waterfalls and the, the rain and, and the stuff we see in the natural world, that God is not the natural world. He is the creator of the natural world, but he is not the trees, he's not the rocks, he's not some inanimate object, he's the creator that stands behind it. He's the one who breathed that spoke it into existence, that, that makes it, holds it together. And the creation of the natural world is not meant for us to worship the natural world, but to, to peel back the curtain of eternity and to see the one who made it. And to worship and to honor and to adore the one who made all things. To not worship the thing itself, the, the natural world, but to learn to have it draw our attention back to who God is and to worship God for who he is. He has made all these things. And then when we learn to do that, when we learn to see the natural world and then draw our attention to the creator himself, then it, it refreshes our souls. It reminds us of God's presence with us. It reminds us of God's provision. It reminds us of how God cares for things. And that refreshes, that breathes new life back into our souls. Now, many people, I would, I would assume, many of us would agree that being out in creation itself, there's something just physically good about getting outside on a nice day. 
There's just something really good about enjoying good weather. When you walk outside and the sun is shining and you can just kind of sit out there or take a walk. There's just something physically good about not being cooped up in a house all day, but being able to get outside. And whether it's enjoying snowshoeing or snowmobiling or snow skiing in the winter or it's enjoying outside activities during the summer. There's just something good about breathing the air, about being outside. Have the vitamin D from the sun fill you up. And there's just something physically good about that, right? But it's not just physical. There's an emotional health that, that is connected to our ability to be outside. That there's something emotional that happens, relational that happens, when we're cooped up inside for too long and our emotions can kind of get a drain on them. Our relationships can get a drain on them. And I would say even our souls and our spirits can get a drain on them. And it's good for us to be and to notice the natural world, to move. For sure, the natural world has a physical response to us, but it also has a spiritual response. It fills our souls. It reminds us of who God is. Draws our attention to the nature and the qualities of God. The eternal nature of God has easily been seen through all of the natural world. So how do you do that? How do we allow the natural world and the, and the grace of God that we can see all around us, how do we allow that to speak life and to breathe life into us? Well, there's two kind of phrases I want to kind of point us out to that come to mind. And the first one is that the natural world is like a classroom for us. It's where we learn. The natural world can be a classroom for us. In his book, Nielsen writes this on page 82. He says that the natural world is a virtual classroom with the creator God as its primary teacher. And the writers of scriptures, we already looked at already a little bit, but the writers of scriptures would regularly point out how the natural world teach us of the nature of God, who God is. That it's like a classroom, it's a virtual classroom with the creator God himself as our primary teacher teacher. Jesus in the, in the gospel of Matthew chapter 6, he says, I want you to consider the birds of the air. I want you to consider the lilies of the field. Look at them. Notice them. See how God prepares for them and provides for them and cares for them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's, he's using the natural world to teach us of the provision of God and how God cares for the natural world and in the same way that he cares for us. The natural world is a virtual classroom for us with the creator God as its primary teacher. Its primary teacher. The world can teach us of who God is, his nature, his qualities. And there's a couple of ways in which this natural world can be our virtual classroom. And the first way is for us to understand or to look at the intricacies of the design of the world. How the world and the natural world has actually been made. When you take time to notice, you notice the, not only the details of how it's been made, but how it's interdependent. How everything works together just perfectly in the exact way it's been designed. How our earth is tilted just the right way. How it's just the right distance away from the sun. How things work together, all together for one another. It's just perfect in perfect balance. 
when we notice that, and when we see the design and the intricacies and the details of the natural world before us, then we can stand in awe and wonder and, and be reminded of the truth that God has provided, that God has breathed this together, that He's the one who holds it all in perfect balance. And that draws our attention and draws our worship to Him, and it fills our souls. It fills our souls. And our worship of God deepens, and our understanding of his provision deepens and our souls are refreshed. And we have energy that we recognize that this world is wonderfully made, that is perfectly held in balance. This was kind of driven home to me recently in the last couple of months or so ago because Samantha, who's our oldest daughter, she's at Ohio State at the Lima branch here. And one of her projects that she had to do for college was to kind of have this uh, digital simulation of an ecosystem. And she was supposed to build an ecosystem on her iPad and kind of let it run for the duration. And it's supposed to go for 100 days. You put a certain amount of plants in there, a certain amount of herbivores in there, carnivores, omnivores, make your own little ecosystem. And then when you put your ecosystem together, you push the button and says run, and you see how it goes for 100 days. And the job or the, the task for her to do was to see if she could build the right kind of ecosystem with everything leaning from or getting from anything from, its, uh, you know, from one another and doing all that for 100 days and let it go. So she puts all the things together, hits it, and you goes, and then you, a couple things just die, like right away. Like goes for like 10 days, and then half of it just dies, and just doesn't go. So she brings her iPad downstairs, and she says, hey guys, help me out with this. And so four or five, maybe all of us, I'm not sure, we all gather around the kitchen table, and we're all taking turns on her iPad, trying to figure out how we're going to make this stinking ecosystem work, and how it lasts for a whole hundred days. And it's a lot harder than you would think it is. It is a lot harder than you think it is. I mean, I got this, and so I pulled it. I said, hey, sweetheart, let me, let me try and take care of this. I got this. I got this. And so I put it all together. I'm thinking it's going to be perfect. And I hit the run button, and it goes really great. You see these little things. Oh, things are going, things are going, things are going, things are going. And then they're dead, like right away. Boom. Like that. It was harder than you think it is. And this is what I learned in that little project. I don't even know if we ever got it to work. Uh, so she passed the class, so that's a good thing. But I don't know how we got to work. But here's what I learned in that little college project that we were kind of working on. This world is marvelously complex and really intricate and, and interdependent and so much more than you can ever really begin to understand or realize. The power, the majesty, and the knowledge of a God who would speak it into existence and hold it in perfect balance. What well, causes me to say what the psalmist says in Psalm 139 I praise you for we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that this world is marvelous. And it drew my attention to worship the God who has made such intricate designs and detailed designs along the way. Sadly, sadly, our pace of life rarely allows us to do that, right? If I could confess to you, uh, most of the time, my life is run at such a pace and such hurry that I can blast right past most of the stuff that I see. And I don't notice the intricate design of this natural world. I rarely spend time considering and looking at the, the delicate details of this creation. Now, I notice sunrises and sunsets. I mean, they're right in front of my face. I'm not that oblivious to things. 
I can see those. But I just drive right past them. And I rarely think about how the warmth that our planet gets from that sun is just the right amount. And I rarely spend four, five, ten minutes just really in awe of exactly how detailed and interdependent all this works together because the pace of life that I tend to live at, the pace of life that I tend to go at, well, it, it pushes me along before I can really take notice. All the ways that things are interdependent and details to this world. And I suspect that some of you live at a pace of life, life like I do. And we may see sunrises and sunsets, but we rarely take the time to really pay attention and let the virtual classroom of the natural world draw your attention to the one who made this. One of the ways in which the natural world can be a, a virtual classroom for us is to notice the intricacies of design, how God has really really put it together. But there's another way in which the natural world can be a virtual classroom for us, and that is to teach us of the rhythm of seasons. The rhythm of seasons. Built right into the fabric of creation is the seasons. Built right into the way in which God has made the world is rhythm of activity and rest. The seasons remind us, the seasons of the natural world remind us that we are made to live with this kind of rhythm a time of, of activity and a time of rest. A time of pushing forward and accomplishing and a time of sitting and resting and relaxing. Uh, the time of seasons of going and seasons of, of staying. Uh, those kinds of seasons are built right into the very fabric, right in the very way in which the creation has been made. Is this, we learn about the rhythm of seasons. Now that rhythm can be really difficult for some of us. Because some of us have, have bought into the debilitating distortion that our identity is, is, is tied to what we can accomplish, right? By what we do and by what we have and by what others say about us. So we don't want to rest. We don't take our foot off the gas pedal. We go and we go a little bit more and we go more and, and we fill our days and we have to accomplish more and do more. And so we don't have any rest. We don't have any rhythm built into our life. We have go and maybe sleep, but we go, and then we, we don't have rhythm. We don't have rest. But built into the creation itself and what we learn about God and what we learn about the natural world around us is this rhythm of rest. And it's in the rest, it's in the season of dormancy, it's in the season where things are not just going, that the created world, the natural world, has to remind itself that it gets its sustenance, it gets its provision from God himself. But the squirrels don't go out and get everything by them, go off and do it all, but they have to sit and learn to rest that God will provide. It's in the season of not just activity, but it's in seasons of rest that we realize that our sustenance, our provision is only by the grace of God. So the natural world educates us, educates us about the way in which God provides for us, that we don't have to rush and do more and do more and do more, but we're learning to rest in his provision. Again, Matthew 6, where Jesus says, consider the birds of the air and the lilies of the field. They don't toil and try and spin and do everything, and yet your Father in heaven provides for them. How much more are you valuable than they? Will he not provide for you? 
And who among you can add any number of your day by worrying about things? Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for it has enough worries of itself, but learn to seek first the kingdom of God. To learn to seek rest, in other words. The, the natural world around us teaches us and, and is a classroom for us, educates us in the season of rest. Where even in dormancy, we realize that they take their sustenance from God, from His grace. So the natural world is like a virtual classroom. It can teach us about who God is. But there's another way in which this natural world can refresh our souls and can replenish us and breathe new life into us. Another phrase for us to consider. And that is that the natural world presents an opportunity for us. To see the world, the natural world, as opportunity to meet God and an opportunity for us to honor and worship God. See, adoring creation or worshiping or, or understanding creation, allowing it to draw our attention to the majesty and the, the knowledge of the Creator God, well, that's a good first step in our understanding of the natural world. But the next step for us is to learn to take responsibility for the natural world around us. To learn to care for it in a way that honors God. See, God commissions us to be his caretakers over this natural world. God commissions us to, to, to watch over this wonderfully complex, intricately designed creation. But he calls us to care for it. To nurture it. To watch over it. If we go back in Genesis, it says this. That God blessed them, the man and woman. He blessed them, said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God saw that all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now some people listen to that and they hear that call to rule over or to have dominion over things and they assume that that means that we can dominate over the created world as if it's our slave and we can do whatever we want with it, however we want it. But biblically speaking, in the scriptures, to have dominion or to rule over has a totally different meaning to it. Because God gives us the responsibility, our responsibility over the rest of creation to care, to love, and to nurture it in the way that Christ does. In the way that Christ does. Nielsen points this way out in his book on page 87. We exercise dominion over the creation as Jesus exercises dominion over our lives through servant love. Servant love. When we learn to honor and care for the natural world around us, when we see it as a way to care and to, to honor it, to, to nurture it, and to look after it, well, then we are learning to honor and love its creator. And we are learning to honor and respect it as we're learning to honor and respect its creator. But on the other hand, when we disregard it, when we neglect it, when we seek to only use it for our benefit and to abuse it, well, then it disregards God as creator, the one who cherishes creation. For God created all things, and as he creates it, he said, that's good. That's good. That's good. And then he calls us to care for it, to nurture it. And when we disregard that which he calls good, then we disregard him as creator. And we disregard him as well. 
So what do we do? How do we nurture and care for this natural world that God has commissioned us to look after? As I was talking, thinking about this and reading up on some other churches and what they're doing to care for the natural world around one church, I thought this was a fantastic idea. We're not there yet, but we could get there. They decided for their coffee bar, uh, first of all, they got rid of styrofoam cups, which we did a little while ago, but they decided for their coffee bar to invite everybody in their church to bring their own coffee mug in and say, fill up how much you want to fill up, but we're not going to have as much trash and, and stuff like that. And say, that's a fantastic idea, actually. So bring in your travel mugs next week and we can have them fill you up and we'll go from there. But it's just a good conversation. What does it look like for us to care for this natural world around us? What does it look like for us to, to exercise dominion the way Christ exercises dominion in our life? To servant love this natural world that he cherishes, that he loves, that he has set into existence. What does it look like for us to do that? We've been saying these kinds of uh, good lunchtime conversations throughout the week, and this is a good one. All right? These essential life questions that would be good to have a conversation about. How can we honor God? and our interconnectedness to the created world by how the choices we make. By the choices we make. How do we honor God in our interconnectedness to the world by the choices that we make? How do we do that? Because care and protection over the natural world, it should never be a political issue. It's a biblical one. We are called to care for the created natural world that God cherishes and loves and adores. And he, he breathed into life and he commissions us to care for it in the way of Christ through servant love. It's never, it should never be a political issue. It should always be a biblical one. To seek to learn to live our life in the ways of Christ and to care for that which he cares for. To love that which he loves. To learn to cherish that which he cherishes. And that includes the natural world around us and how we can do that. So how do we honor God by the choices we make and how we interact with the natural world around us? That's just a great question. Have fun with that at lunch. Have fun with that this week. Just be a good idea to see how that goes. And I can't wait to see your travel mugs next week and see what we can do. We'll fill you up. It'll be all good. See, when we exercise dominion over the world, over the natural world in a Christ-like way, it shapes us to see things the way God sees things, to see things in his, through his lens to be able to do that. So how do you do that this week? How, how can we take some progress? What practices can we do, disciplines we can do to kind of go along the way? Nielsen suggests a couple of them. I'm going to give us a couple of them. They, they kind of go hand in hand, and so kind of bear with me. But the first practice is to notice. First practice is to notice. And by that I mean to intentionally push against the pace of life of hurry in your life to notice the natural world around us. Just notice it. Just begin to notice the things. Take time to study it for a few minutes. Not just the sunrise or the sunset as you're blasting home you go home real quickly. But just take time to not rush past it. Just notice it. Just start with just simply noticing. And in particular, maybe noticing the way in which God pr provides for the natural world. How is he provided for it? Keep that passage, Matthew 6, in your mind that God said, or Jesus says, look at the birds of the air and the, the lilies of the field and how God provides for them. And, and consider that as you're noticing the natural world around you. 
A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to, to spend uh, a, just a day of solitude and prayer. I, I spent the day away uh, just by myself. I was able to bring my Bible and pray and journal and, and just spend some time with God. I was able to spend the time down at Indian Lake. And it was just a wonderful day. And during that time, I decided this kind of stuff was on my mind a little bit. And so I decided to take a walk. To take a walk. Just kind of walk the neighborhood around. And the lake was just right on my right-hand side. And it was good for me physically to just get outside and to breathe the physical, breathe the crisp air and do all that stuff. And that was really good. But while I was on the walk and while I was doing that, I had this stuff in my mind, this idea of, of noticing. I began to just kind of look out on my right to see the lake. And it was, you know, mostly frozen. A few people out there ice fishing out there, kind of in their little huts and on their little chairs and stuff out there. And I noticed all what they were doing. But as I walked along, I also saw the part of the lake wasn't frozen. And there's a whole bunch of geese that had gathered around that little opening in the water. And I just allowed my mind to imagine how God provided just the right number of water for this geese, these geese. In the midst of a frozen lake, there's a small portion of water that's provided just for these geese. And they're out there making their noise and swimming around, doing what they needed, just what they needed during that time. And then as I turned around, I started walking back to the place I was staying. And I, I looked onto the other side. And the other side had all the trees and everything else that were all just kind of in dormancy, right? There's no leaves on the trees and anything else. But I allowed my mind to kind of wonder. I allowed my mind and my imagination to take root a little bit. And as I was walking past all those trees, I began to just be amazed that God is providing just the right amount of nutrients for those roots of the trees to find some kind of nutrients in the ground to stay alive through winter. And I can't imagine what it's going to look like in the spring when leaves start coming again and the grass turns green again. But through this winter season, God is providing just enough, just enough nutrients for those trees. Now, I've been to this place in Indian Lake before. I've walked that little spot before, but for whatever reason, I just didn't notice it. Just didn't notice it. So how about this week we purpose ourselves to notice? How about this week, just purpose yourself. Go outside at night and just purpose yourself to look at the stars, to notice them, to look at the trees, to look at the birds, to, to hear the rustling of the squirrels going on, or to notice. It's just five minutes. You don't need to spend five hours. You don't need to take a whole day. But we'll, let's just purpose ourselves this week to notice, to notice. And admittedly, I, I admit to you that there's so many times I rush right past it and I don't, I'm not aware of it. But how about this week? We just purpose within ourselves collectively to push against the hurry and the pace of life and let's notice. Let's notice the created natural world around us. And the second thing that Nielsen points out, which is kind of really connected to notice, the second thing is notice what you're noticing. Notice what you're noticing. Notice the intricate design that you're noticing. Notice the way in which it all it goes together that you're noticing. Notice the rhythm of season that you're noticing. Notice what you're noticing. Don't just notice the things on the surface, but allow it to be instructive to you. To notice what you're noticing in this natural world. And again, have Matthew 6 in the front of your mind as you're doing that. Consider the birds. Consider the lilies. How much more valuable are you than they? How much will God provide for you? Take a day this week. Take a walk. Get outside. 
Enjoy that fresh, crisp air. Dream of spring coming real soon. But allow it to be your virtual classroom. Notice and notice what you're noticing. And let's just see how that breathes kind of life into our souls this week. How it breathes into us. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we are humbled and amazed that you would not only create this world and and place it before us that we might learn, but that you, you charge us with caring for this world. And we confess that there are so many times that we blast right past it, that we don't notice. May you instruct us this week. And as we notice, may it fill our souls. May we be in deeper worship and awe of you the maker, sustainer of all that is. And may our hearts be enlivened to what you would do for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.